in terms of mentoring and coaching. It's like going for counselling or therapy. You don't have to wait till there's something horrible that's happened to access these things. Access them now and let them become part of your life. Leadership isn't about being an authority. It isn't about having charisma or being in control or knowing all the answers. So what does it mean to be a leader? That's what we're here to find out. I'm Nicholas, your host, founder of Eagle Transformational Coaching. Come and join us as we sit down with amazing leaders from all walks of life. Let's transform today's leadership into effective leadership here on the Life I Lead podcast. Well, 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 here we are. Welcome back to the Life I Lead podcast today, episode two of season two, and I'm joined by an incredible guest today. I am joined by Brenda Etchells. Brenda is a well-renowned coach in her field. Um, she has a degree in psychology and a master's in business administration. She is an ILM level seven uh, business mentor and executive coach. And I invited Brenda onto our podcast because of her insights. The work she does is influential and incredible. She is guided by the mantra, she says, to listen, to understand, not to respond. And I love that. You know, so much of what we do involves us spouting advice and wisdom and information. And sometimes it's really good to listen, to understand, not to listen, to respond. Uh, and she talks about the marketing job that she used to have and how that's impacted her desire to be a mentor, be a coach and qualify to a really high level. Uh, and she's a member of the Association of Business Mentors. I know she does some peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, which we're going to unpack today. What you're going to get here really is an hour of real insight, free advice and information, and the opportunity to say, where does this role of mentoring and coaching fit into my business right now? Because let me assure you, it will. So I want you to sit back and enjoy this incredible hour with Brenda. So without further ado, let me bring Brenda to the microphone. Thank you so much for joining us on The Life I Lead. It's fashionable for me as a host to say, you, I know how busy you are, and I know that you've crammed us into your timetable, but I know you're busy, Brenda, because I follow a lot of what you say on LinkedIn and other forums. So I do appreciate you joining us. I've given a little introduction about you and your organization, but why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, and what brought you to where you are today? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I am, I would classify myself as a full-time professional business mentor. And it's taken me, I'd say, about five years to actually get to that point of recognising that's what I am and that's what I do. Uh, spent many, many years, too many to remember, in the corporate world, in financial services. Um, but my background is very much in strategy and strategic planning. Mm. Um, so then five years ago, set up my own strategy consultancy business to work with the smaller business owners and the SMEs to help them not be scared about strategy, um, bring strategy into the open and make it something that all businesses, um, really simplifying it down for business owners. While doing that, I realised I was spending a lot of time working one-on-one -on -one with business owners and senior executives, but it was going broader than strategy. It was just helping them build the confidence, um, overcoming those self-limiting beliefs of, of running a business um, and helping them to grow their businesses, but helping them to grow as business owners to grow the business, if that makes sense. So it yeah. became much more about the person rather than the business. And then I kind of evolved and realized what I was actually doing was business mentoring. Um, and once that kind of that light bulb moment went off, I was like, right, this is what I am. This is what I'm good at. This is what I do. I am a business mentor. Fantastic. And there must have been a, a moment that you thought something attracted you to being a business mentor, you know, with a, with a background in strategy and, and business development. What was it that made you think this is a real niche or was it, was it demand? Was it a lack of? Was there a gap in the market? What was it that attracted you to it? I think it, 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 it sparked something in me. I've always been a people person. And if I go back, I have a degree in psychology and I did a counselling course. It was something about 
working one-on-one with a person and seeing something shift or change in them. Mm-hmm. So it was almost it was almost an overlap of my business experience and that person-centric approach where I think there's a gap in the market. Yeah. I think a lot of business mentors are brilliant at, they've been there, they've done it, they've run successful businesses. And a lot of business mentors are probably great at having that person-centric approach and that coaching and that counselling style. I think my uniqueness kind of combines the two. Mm. And there's definitely a demand once you can almost break down the barrier of having a business mentor is a good thing. And every every business owner should have, either informally or formally, the right people around them to support them. There's a lot I want to unpack about this business thing. Um, <laughs> I work with people aspiring to be leaders or leaders in business mainly, but outside of business as well. And from your experience, what do you think not having a mentor or a coach means for your business? If 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 people are sat here listening to this thinking, yep. I'm in business, I'm at whatever level they are, C-suite or executive suite, and I haven't got a mentor, what is their business missing? Potentially a bit of pace. I feel a lot of the business leaders that I work with procrastinate a lot because they don't, they either don't feel they can open up to their fellow executives or fellow peers. So they may they may not be making decisions as quickly as they could be if they were using a coach or a mentor. I feel so. I think your business can move faster with more pace, with more informed decision making, if you have that mentor or coach. I think a lot of people just sit on things because it all becomes a bit overwhelming and it's too much to deal with. It's easier to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're in that position in business and you haven't got a coach. The biggest, the biggest pitfalls then that you're going to that you're going to encounter are going to be what? The biggest pitfalls if you don't have a coach or a mentor. I just feel you're not leading with the confidence and the commitment and the I can't think what the word is. It's for me, it's something around that informed decision making. You're Confidence, confidence in what you're doing, confidence in yourself. I mean, a lot. I, I, I coach and mentor a few C-suite people, and I'm thinking, but you're like a chief, surely you know what you're doing. Surely you're you're, <laughs> you're fully confident to have got to that position. But then you realise there's a person behind that title, and I think often you think of somebody in that position. Oh my God, they're so successful. They know it all. Why would they need a coach mm. or a mentor? Because they probably go home at night and worry over decisions that they've made or things that they have to do or conflict that's happening in their team. Mm. They're just human at the end of the day. And I think having the coach and mentor allows them to open up and show the vulnerability out with this front of their title and their position. So it probably gives them a bit of breathing space to be human. Yeah. And do you find that there's a difference between... It's interesting because... you approach it in the same way that, that I do, that behind every role, behind every job description actually is a person. And I found, I'm interested to see what you find, do you find there's a difference when people approach you off their own back or when companies approach you for a company objective and what sort of dynamics do they both throw up? Yeah, so yeah, a lot of the um, senior level coaching I do becomes to me because there's some sort of sponsorship from the company and they think you would benefit from having a coach. So maybe they're they're new to the exec board or they're new into that organisation and they think coaching will help them. So the first couple of sessions is probably a bit sort of clunky and you're trying to kind of deal with that. But as soon as you connect with them on that human person-to-person level, the dynamic shifts mm-hmm. and they get so much more out of it beyond what the sponsor originally decided was the objective of the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the people that come because of sponsorship, it might take a bit longer mm-hmm. to really build up that trust and that rapport than the people that come off their own back. Yeah. Because they might not immediately see why they're they're only there because somebody's told them to come. Yeah. 
but they very quickly benefit. And then more often than not, it carries on beyond that original contracted session or a couple of sessions. Um, I tend to find the people that come to me direct tend to be more business owners. Yes. And the people that come to me indirect, senior managers and executives. And do you have a... I read on I, I, I read on your website, and and like everybody who is in coaching or mentoring or consultancy, it's very it's very client driven. There is no yes. off the shelf remedy, you know, or spell or, or or recipe. So, how do you, when you start working with a client, know or tease out of them or come to an agreement of? where it is they want to get to. You know, a lot of people I encounter think, I don't know if I want a mentor, I don't know if I need a coach or a mentor, because they can't see anything, a product, if you like. You know, it's very, we don't have a book of instructions, we don't have a magic hat to pull rabbits out of. You know, so how do you discover what your clients need? Yeah, probably quite textbook in the way I do it, in that we'll start off with a, call it what you like, a discovery call, chemistry call, basically it's a chat it's a two-way chat um what do you want to get out of these sessions a to make sure i can help them and support them and what they want but b to make sure i'm the right person for them so there's some sort of connection i then follow that up again quite textbook with i've got like a little bit of questionnaires where i get them to think in advance about what your goals are for these sessions what your objectives are what could get in your way, what support you need from me. Now that's theirs. I don't need them to send that back to me, but that's just theirs to get them thinking and refer to. But they, they, they do often share it. And then at the start of every session, again, it'll be what do you want to get out of this session? What do you want to talk about today? Because again, quite often what they set out originally with the intention changes session to session. So it could be, oh, um, I need I need to grow my business. I need to recruit um, some staff. I'm a bit nervous about recruiting. Never done it before. Whatever. By session three, they could be talking to me about some deep-rooted insecurity because it's something their father said to them twenty years ago. So it shifts and it changes. I do always refer them back to the original goals and just check in that that's still relevant. And do you and do you generally have a fixed period of time? Do you, do you have a you know a set of sessions or do yes. you just ad hoc? Yes. I've, I've, I thought how long and hard about this when I was coming up with my products, my propositions. And I did decide I'd like people to commit to six sessions initially because I actually think it takes probably two to settle into it and to build the relationship and the rapport sort of three and four, you're really starting to see progress and move things on. And then sort of five and six, you're, you're, you're kind of, you can see the growth and you're, you're sort of working with them more on a, an iterative basis. Mm. Um, so I do want people to commit because to me, it's a relationship. It's a long-term relationship. Yeah. And just the odd one or two sessions for me as a mentor, it's not what I want to do doesn't work for me i want to actually build relationships with people grow with them as they grow their business and i haven't found myself needing to pitch for business i think business comes quite organically one of the in fact one of the interesting things i found is when you stop trying to earn money doing this then you start earning money because people will organically come to you now one of the things that i'm always interested when i talk to uh, mentors and coaches is this concept that it is not the mentor's role or the coach's role to give answers to advise or give guidance that's the role I, mean, I do a lot of leadership consultancy and that's that role so for people thinking what's the point what is your comeback to that yeah so i'm with you i think the answers is within them they know their business they know their industry they are the experts and are completely and utterly um, respect that and I would no way ever tell somebody or advise somebody what to do um, so if it's not about advice to me it's it's unlock it's, it's it's unlocking those answers from within them it's unlocking their potential and like yeah I think that's what it is it's unlocking something it's already I think in them but they may be just either not aware of it or they're they're putting up some sort of barriers to to stop it coming out 
And do you think mentoring makes people good at business? Does mentoring make people good at business? No, I wouldn't say so. I think if I'd say that's probably more in the coaching realm. So if somebody's in a business, probably like you, a lot of clients know their thing, right? So they're very good at doing a service or a product, their thing, but they may lack a bit of commercial awareness. Yeah. So I think there is a, there is a role, actually maybe it is mentoring and coaching for giving them the confidence to make the right decisions for their business at the right time. I'm not sure it makes them good at business as such. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I think there probably has to be their baseline of ability, <laughs> business entrepreneurship somewhere in there. Yeah. I think the mentor can help them have the confidence in their abilities or yeah. signpost them to the right places to do the training and the development and whatever it is they need to get that more holistic. Yeah. Being good at business. Psychology is a, a, a an amazing subject. I love it. I studied philosophy, but psychology, sociology, philosophy, brilliant subjects. And one of the things that I think we have to be able to do as coaches, mentors, and consultants is be able to read people. Now, I'm a great believer in the positive influence that mentoring, coaching can have generally on society, on the communities in which we live, on the environs in which we work. Do you think we're at this point in society that coaching, mentoring will make a difference to generations coming forward? You know, if you go back to my father's 86 years old, and you'd put him at the prime of his life and said, right, David, you're going to have a, a mentor or a counsellor. You'd have to look it up in the dictionary. It didn't exist, really. You know, it was all something completely different. And now it is as as part of people's lives as yoga or a diet and exercise or, you know, having a pet. It's it's it, We absorb it now. Do you think society is benefiting because of mentoring and coaching? I'd like to think so. Um, and I think you're right in what you were saying in terms of it's much more a thing. So I've just literally this morning come off a call with a young first year business student who through her university, they match with mentors in the community. So already they are seeing the benefits of having a mentor and someone they can open up to and, you know, again, help them build their confidence and help guide them through finding work and, and whatever. So it's definitely much more commonplace. Um, talking, I mean, social media has probably has opened up a, a new world. AI is probably opening up a whole new world for, for younger generations in terms of mentoring and coaching. Mentoring's evolved, hasn't it? It used to be very much, there's this very experienced older person and it's handing down the knowledge and but these days, like things like reverse mentoring is huge as well. There's so much, like for example, if I mentor this young this young lady, I will learn so much from her as well. So it becomes a shared relationship where both benefit, mm. which must be good for society and crossing the generations and you know diversity. And it can only be a good thing. I can't see any reason why it can't be a why it could be detrimental to society. Yeah, I agree. And the more and more people realise. It's like going for counselling or therapy. You don't, you don't have to wait till there's something horrible that's happened to access these things. Access them now and let them become part of your life. It's something we were talking about in the green room, and I think it's a really important message that if you decide, if one decides that they want to engage a mentor or a coach, this is not this is not a sign that you're in need of something or that you're no, deficient exactly. in something or that you're not strong enough, or that you're not good enough. You know, and there is this, probably slightly less so now, but there certainly might be that connotation with mentoring and coaching that is, you need it because. Unpack that for us, because I, I think that you know, you're in the same mind as me, that that's completely untrue. It's not a sign of anything. No, no. I mean, the amount of times I go to networking groups, people say, what do you do? And I'll say, I'm a business mentor. Oh, I don't need a mentor. My business is great, thank you. Well, great, think how much greater it could be if you have a mentor. Why? So, yeah, the, that's something I feel we need as 
business mentor community we need to crack that that mindset of having a business coach and mentor does not fundamentally mean there's something wrong with your business mm. um and the more things like the government's help to grow program and I know Santander doing stuff bring in mentoring as part of business growth people will see it's it's there as a support to everything else that's going on it's not doesn't mean you're a failure if anything mm. it means you're a success I mean, God, the best the best sports people out there have coaches and mentors. They could be top of their game, but they've still got a team around them, haven't they, to, to help them and support them and guide them. And 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 where do you think um, our resources, you know, I listen to a lot of people and you don't have to look far on the internet to find people who are executive coaches. And I always avoid describing myself as an executive. I'm not really quite sure what an executive coach is, but I think it just means that you only work with people above a certain level. Where do you think, and I, just grates against me, I can't bear that. It's like me saying I'm a vet, but I only work with Labradors. <laughs> don't understand. Um, but where do you think that we should be targeting our resources it's easy to go into one of the things that i'm doing this year for example is you know i i i was coming back from a meeting the other week and i was trying to get this contract over the line and i've been spending a lot of time trying to get this contract over the line with this organization and it's a six-month program and in the end i was driving home thinking if they don't sign up to it then that's absolutely fine there was nothing more i can do you know i can i can literally try and pipette the water into the horse's mouth but eventually the horse has got to swallow this thing so they either want to do it or they don't do it and, I, and i'm leaning more towards this theory of high impact over short time rather than low impact over a longer period of time this sort of slow burn you know i'm going to take you through a six-month program I'm, I, I, almost like Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. I'm in for 24 hours or I'm in for a week and then we'll strip it down and rebuild it and then I'm off type thing. Where should we be laying our resources? Should it be at C-suite? Should it be at entry level? Should it be at middle management? Should it be at apprenticeships? Where is it that we should be saying, we if we if we crack this group of people, you know, for example, we're banning smoking for anybody. So my daughter will never be able to smoke. She'll never be able to buy cigarettes legally. If we target a certain group of people, will we crack the the, the association with mentoring, therapy, counselling, yeah. consultancy? Yeah. So first of all, I, I don't, obviously, I don't particularly mind the term exec coach because I think that's what big organisations refer to it as. So as part of their development, leadership and development, they will know it as exec coaching. So yeah. to use their language, I think coaching works because that's what they understand for me i think the market that i would like to crack or see business mentors cracked is at the startup stage so you get in there right at the startup so it becomes part of their dna right from the word go um so I, in the past i've done a lot of training with startups or very new businesses and i think if again bit like the help to grow scheme although they're not startups if you introduce men the concept of mentoring and coaching right from the start i think for me that's what we need to tackle so it becomes organic and we grow with this new generation of entrepreneurs and business owners and it just becomes i've got my accountant i've got my lawyer i've got my business mentor and you become part of their dna and so when you say when you say training are you training people to be mentors no, or no. training people the roles that mentors can play? So the training I do tends to be more on strategy and planning, like the kind of professional expertise that I have. But as part of that, I also say, you know, and I'm a business mentor and I work one-on-one -on -one with clients to help you. Because you can go on a training course, well, great, fine. Well, now what do I do with it? Well, I've got this tool, but is it going to sit on my shelf? Well, you could work with a mentor or coach too. So I do a lot of work in business models, right? Okay, well, I've been on your course. I understand, but now what? Right, well, let's look at how we move your business model forward. Let's look at how we grow it. Where do we need to focus your energy and your investment and your time in? Um, and I think if you can get that from the word go, because it's it's hard running a business, isn't it? You've got so much to think about. You don't yeah. know what to think about first. You don't know whether I should be investing my time and money over here in marketing or should I be investing it here? And just having somebody with you to bounce those things off. Mm. Yeah help you make the right decisions at the right time yeah so for me it's it, that's where I would target my energy 
is it that market? And what do you think are the common threads? You know, I called my company Eagle Transformational Coaching because it stands for Empowerment, Acquire, Grow, Launch, Evolve. And I, I came up with the concept that whatever whatever um, illness you have, the symptoms are going to be very different, but the illness is going to be either lack of empowerment, lack of growth, lack of launching, evolution. So when you work with business, is there sort of this running theme? People will come and it's dressed up as, I don't know whether to do marketing or sales or yeah. staff yeah. retention, but what is the theme that runs through, do you think? Yeah, I've got a, a client once summarised this perfectly for me, and I think it sums it up. So she said to me, you help me untangle the spaghetti in my head. And I think for me, that is the common theme. Your head's full of spaghetti. Yeah. Let me untangle it. There's too much going on in my head. Ah, I don't know what to do. And by talking it out, it all makes perfect sense and I can see a logical, clear path through it. So it's almost yeah. like taking all the bits of spaghetti tangled up and then laying them end to end in a nice, clear path. And I thought I thought she summed it up brilliantly. That's brilliant. It's a really good imagery and, and one that relates to people very well. My next question on from that then is, where is the balance falling at the moment between what we do as coaches and mentors and consultants versus what businesses or employers should be doing for employees? You know, I see a lot of people transitioning into leadership and I focus mainly on leadership and I see them like rabbits in the headlights. They really are quite overwhelmed by the list of things that they feel they need to be doing. And they they struggle to be able to prioritize because there is no priority laid at them. And a lot of this, I think, is often for me to say to them, don't panic, because a lot of this should be organizational. And a lot should be your own discipline and your own ability. And your own. Do you think that, that we are uh, possibly removing responsibility from businesses where we should be saying, actually, you've got people in this position that you're employing. This is your responsibility to ensure that this person isn't sat here with spaghetti in their head because you should be caring for them as an employee. You should be, you know, nurturing them into the role that you're appointing them to. Is there a responsibility there? It's a little bit like the state coming in and telling me how to parent. Yeah, I've never thought about it from that angle before. That's fascinating. Yes, possibly. But on the other hand, I'd rather work for an organisation that is bringing in mentors or coaches. They've had that sort of foresight and that thingy to to recognise the value of mentoring and coaching at that sort of strategic level. Whether it removes some responsibility from them, possibly. But yeah, that's a that's a tricky question. I've not, yeah, I've yeah. not directly experienced that, but maybe I'm lucky with the companies that I work for. Yeah. Possibly. Um, but that's interesting. That's one I'm going to have to take away and ponder, I think. Yeah, it's just it, it's just a thought. Because I often think, you know, one of the huge transitions, I'm sure you found it, one of the huge transitions of, of um, the pandemic was this, this morphing that leaders and C-suite and organisations as a whole had to do when people were suddenly remote working? How do we lead a disparate group of people, often now in different time zones? And, you know, the challenges that that threw up, that actually they've never experienced, however high or good they were in their job, because, you know, you've got Peter sat at that desk, you've got more inside yeah. that desk, he's an email away. And actually, how do I inspire, lead, impact and motivate people? You know, I found that a huge um, a brick wall for a lot of people. It changed the way they interacted with each other. Did you find that? Do you find that? I've definitely found it's put more pressure on people to, um, I, I work with quite a lot of senior execs in an organisation and I find that the, the expectation on now is on them to work, not literally, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no off button. So the, the, I think there's an added pressure and expectation of, well, I'm at home and my computer's there, so I'm just going to keep working till whatever hour. And yeah. the more that I work, and then, so I think, I've got a funny feeling we're going to see a lot more burnout from people working at home very soon because they don't have that off switch as mm. easy as walking, physically walking out of an office. Um, so I'm certainly seeing more of that theme coming through in terms of people not switching off and reading emails on a Sunday evening to get ahead of the game for the week ahead and that sort of stuff. And again, maybe that's something that the company itself should be taking more responsibility and saying, you know, just drawing a line and saying, no, you're not allowed to send emails 
or even switching. I don't know how you do it, but just, you know, yeah, putting yeah. a hard line in the sand that, no, you will not be sending emails between yeah. these hours and these hours. Um, I can't even remember what your original question was there. I went off on a tangent. It was just about the, it was just about the, the, the difference of leadership business five years ago to leadership and business now. I think the point I'm making is I look at so many aspects of society. I look at things like for us in the UK, the NHS or the police or the welfare state or education in its current term. And you look at them and you think, I can't see the sustainability that I can't see the longevity in the NHS in its current state, or, you know, the way we educate children in schools. Is it the same way I was educated and my father was educated? Now my daughter's still learning about the Bayer tapestry. Is that really relevant? <laughs> you know, and business is the same. Is business sustainable in its current form? Working now, we don't commute to work. Very few people commute to work. Yeah. It's changed. People's motivation uh, to be rewarded solely by cash or salary is changing. People want well being and flexibility. Yeah. You know, is is yeah. business as we know it sustainable? It'll have to change to be sustainable, won't it? Like it's always evolving. It's um, business has to evolve as society evolves, and the successful ones will evolve. So, what do you see then? Are the biggest changes that are coming down the tracks to us? I, I really not, don't want to get into the whole AI debate, but AI. <laughs> yeah. Um, Generational differences, like you were saying, the younger generation have completely different levels of expectations to my generation and what an organisation. I think it's much more a two-way relationship. I think it's much more rather than, well, you've employed me, I should be thankful. I think people are, it's much more, uh, I'm giving you this, what are you giving me in return? Mm, um, yeah. So I think there's definitely a shift there. So that expectation of your employer leadership. Yeah. as well um i'm trying to think from my, my son's 23 and he's been in employment now 18 months and it's see i look at him and think it must be hard to be sitting in your bedroom three days a week but he's not known any different and i think yeah is that becoming the new norm and therefore yeah for me i think there's something about this generation coming through especially the ones that have been through education during the pandemic so I feel like there might be a little bit of a time bomb that's going to go off at some point soon. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's going to combust, and I don't know why, but it just feels... And there's also a shift now, isn't it, between, well, we've had the pandemic, people sort of doing this hybrid working, and again, a lot of people I talk to saying they're trying to get people back into the office. Mm, absolutely. And that's causing issues because people might have taken a job while it was from home, and now they suddenly want them to travel 20, 30 miles a day to go to the office and that doesn't suit their lifestyle. Yeah. But it's almost like, but why should I come into the office? I can do my work from home. But you're missing so much around the turning around and chatting to the person behind you and so much yeah. knowledge must be getting lost through yeah. not sharing and talking to people, mm. I think. So maybe some sort of knowledge gaps coming up, something around that, that shared learning and development and knowledge potentially. I think could be an issue. We might all become very siloed. Is it like we've got lots yeah. of little individual people that think away, but we're missing that collective, that collective thought process. Yeah, that innovation potentially might get missing because of that lack of collectiveness. That was a lot of yeah. that was a lot of waffle there, but I hope that came over what I was trying. No, to no, say. no, no. I agree with you. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, one <laughs> of the things that. Um, I'm passionate about. I know you and I have discussed this before um, about our services and how we not only market them, but sell them and put a value on them. Yes. And I'm fully aware, you know, people are struggling to feed their fridges and heat their homes and clothe their children and businesses are struggling with the rates and the rents and the business rates and export um, uh, issues. The money is not readily available. And I'm a great believer that people will find money like they do for uh, booze and cigars and petrol. They'll find it for their priorities. But there are a minority of people who want the impact of coaching and counselling and mentoring and consultancy, who can't afford it and whose organisation can't afford it. What tips would you give those people? How can they help themselves before worrying or losing sleep that they haven't got a coach or a mentee, what can they do to help themselves? Yeah. So be part of a, surround yourself with good people. So be part of a network of like-minded 
business owners who will give you that mentoring and support in a more informal way. Join something like a peer group where you can access, again, other business owners who are possibly going through similar issues. Talk it out loud, loud with them because that's a much, um, I guess, less expensive entry point into mentoring or coaching is to do it as a, in some sort of peer, peer-to-peer coaching or mentoring type group. Um, look what's out there in terms of grant funded schemes. Um, so I know in Leeds, you know, there's lots of things you can access. Um, I've mentored pro bono for Santander for help to grow. So there's, there are a lot of mentors out there who will do some pro bono work through these schemes. So yes, just look, have yeah. a look and see what's out there because yeah. hopefully you can get to experience mentor coaching at that low entry point and then realize the value of it for further down the line when you can invest in it more and for those that do have the uh wherewithal to get a coach or mentor they're not quite sure what they want one for you know do i need do they do do people want a marketing mentor a sales mentor a, a staffing mentor you know what what do you think that people who are in the position to say, yeah, I need something, how do they go about choosing what and who they need? Yeah, there's there's definitely mentors out there who specialise in particular areas. So if marketing is is the one thing you want to focus on, then a coach or a mentor that has a special limit in that area is a good way to go. There's nothing wrong with having three or four mentors that cover different specialism areas. Um, I guess my approach is I'm much more general. And yeah. um, again, I guess I'm trying to mentor the person rather than a specific business stream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't think there's no one size fits all. Some people will benefit at this at this time in my business journey. I need somebody who's going to get me through, um, increase my confidence in sales or yeah. let me think about marketing or finance is a common one people don't really understand the finances of the business and how cash flows work and stuff so yeah there's whatever it is you need it's out there and it might change it'll evolve and it'll change so the mentor you have today may be different to the mentor you need in 12 months time and from your perspective that distinction between mentoring and coaching lies where okay i've I've got quite not strong views, but this is a tough one. Anybody that's done the ILM qualifications will realise this is a really tough one to answer. For me, coaching is much more, there's, there's a specific objective. There's something specific you want to work on and change. So it's very goal orientated. It's targeted. It's about developing you in a thing. So it's short term, it's specific, it's future focused. It's working with you to change something. Mentoring to me is when it's about the person and it's longer term and it's deeper and you may go backwards and talk about the past. You might be going to the... It's it's more fluid, I think, mentoring. Coaching, I think, is I need to change from A to B, help me get to B. Okay. Mentoring could be, I want, to get, I want to get from A to B, but I want to talk about C and then I want to talk about D and, oh, what about E? And it's kind of a bit more fluid. But I think for me, the main thing is mentoring to me is about the relationship with the person. Coaching is about a particular thing that that person wants to work on. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's something that I am beginning to see a lot more of is this this sort of very grey area between mentoring and coaching that is often promulgated by the coach or mentor themselves. And I think it's really interesting, the beginning of this conversation, you said it almost took you about five years to find out what exactly you were. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of a coach or a mentor or a consultant really identifying what they are because unless you do, there is a risk that your client isn't actually getting what they want. You know, for example, in yeah. the conversation we've just had, I would be quite happy if somebody said, listen, I need a coach to get me from A to B or A to C. And when you start talking about A, you realize that actually this is going to be a mentoring role. 
And what you're asking as a coach isn't isn't really suitable for what you want right now. But a lot of coaches or mentors won't just do that. They'll just carry on, blast on. And then the person doesn't know whether they're being coached or mentored. Unpack yeah. that a little bit for us. Yeah. So I, I guess that there's there's a saying out there, isn't there? That I don't know who said it, but mentors, as a part of the mentoring role, will can and often slip into coaching role. So I think coaching is a subset of mentoring. I think a mentor can at times and will need to coach as well. So mentoring to me wears lots of hats. Yeah. Yeah. You're the coach, you're the sounding board, you're the confidant, you're whatever it is. I don't think a coach should really slip into the mentoring role. So to me, as a mentor, we have lots of hats. A coach has one hat. I also think sometimes either the client doesn't know what they're getting Sometimes I don't care what they're getting as long as you're helping them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, yeah. you're, but you're right. When you're con to me, this goes back to the contracting up front and that contracting piece being absolutely clear about that this this is what I expect from you and this is what you expect from me. And I'm here as your mentor. That may involve at times coaching. It, do you know what? Sometimes it involves consultancy and going into advice mode. Sometimes the person goes, Can you just tell me what to do? You yeah. go, well, we can go there, but let me just, you know, manage your expectations that, or I am now moving out of this role and moving into that. So there's something about, but I think that comes down to, as you say, the mentor or the coach being absolutely comfortable with what they are and what that means they are and what that means they aren't. And being aware when you're crossing that line and putting it out in the open and saying, you know, I'm moving into this role now. Are you comfortable with that? I'm happy to go there as long as you the client are happy that we go there yeah that's um, really interesting i think that's my very experience important. is yeah i was gonna say my, my experience the clients are less bothered about the label as long as they're getting the support that they need um but i do think there's a lot of work to do between what is a mentor and what is a coach and what is the difference and i know loads of my our peers out there probably all have different views on it yeah yeah that's why i think it's such an a, a, an interesting question to ask people and and that leads me on to the difference between mentoring the role or coaching the role and the person so you are you are happy to say that you enjoy and find uh, life in in working with the person yeah that in itself is a journey sometimes for your client who thinks they want to come to you and talk about how do I retain my staff or how do I yeah. you know, increase profits by 30%. And you yeah. actually end up saying, listen, you're a megalomaniac or listen, you're not needed <laughs> properly or whatever it is. And that's very much the person. How do yeah. you take a person through that transition when they think they're coming for business, but actually you end up working with the person? Because I'm, I'm a great believer and I love, you know, I, I believe everyone can be a leader. Why? Because I think that the habits you create in life manifest themselves in the leadership that you, that you run. You know, we have to be as intuitive as we do uh, with our children and our partners as we do with our team at work and our stakeholders. But sometimes people come to you with purely what they think is a business need. And you will soon discover quite quickly because of your professional intuition that this is a personal need. This is a person aspect to your life. How do you transition them? Slowly and naturally. I think because it comes natural to me and my, my instinct that I, I am aware of it and I will raise their awareness of what my intuition is telling me. But if they were, if, if a client was uncomfortable to go down that route, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push it. I would not go down that route. I don't know if you do, but quite often I use like values type Mm -hmm. questionnaires and stuff with people and I might say you know a couple of times you've you've said this I'm interested to know where that comes from if that's some deep-rooted value I'll get them to look at their values and that'll uncover so much personal stuff that they hadn't actually realized was impacting them in the business decisions they were making yeah. but you have to introduce these tools at the right time you have to be intuitive about when is the right time to do it it's no yeah. point just rocking up on day one and going well, I know you've talked to me about because you want to grow your business to 10 million, but hey, let's find out what happened 30 years ago in your childhood. It just doesn't work. You have to, and it doesn't work with every client. Some clients, it stays very, very business focused. Mm -hmm. But that, again, that comes down to me being experienced and intuitive enough to pick up if and when the time is right. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's a really interesting word that people use, and it's a word I adore and love talking about. And I never really engaged with it, I think, fully until uh, becoming a, a coach and consultant, and that's values. Do you think, do you encounter the opinion that there are a lot of people, not just in business, but generally in life, that live their lives on a day-to-day -day basis without actually knowing what their core values or values are? A lot of people will live their lives on a daily basis without even thinking about values or what their values are. So absolutely, yes. They'll, they'll be there deep inside them somewhere, but they'll be never surface or they may never think about them because they just get on with their lives. And and give give us give people listening to this a, a, a few practical methods or ideas or mechanisms that they can start to ask themselves or test or find out or reach within themselves to find out what are my core values? How do they go about finding core values or values? Yeah. Quite often it comes from looking at what on a daily basis frustrates you or irritates you. What is it about people that you're working with that like winds you up or you get that feeling? And normally because normally it's when there's a clash of values, you appreciate your value. So one thing for me is lateness. I cannot abide people that are late. That really Hallelujah. gets me going. <laughs> and then if you think if I think about why, I, I find it's because it's it I find it's disrespecting me. Therefore respect to me is a huge value. And I would never so it's thinking about what what winds you up. Why does it wind you up? Where does that come from? Therefore what does that mean that, that you personally value? That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Don't think about, yeah, anything. Simple strategy, what winds you up, will anchor yeah. what your value is. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, Brenda, I know you run a peer-to-peer -peer for guys in our work. It's really important for us to mix with each other, to share best practice for peers of ours that sit there. Because I know, particularly in this day and age, doing this job can be quite isolating. You know, probably... 60% of what I do will be online and 40% will be conferences or platform or going in for a period of time into an organization. So it can be quite isolating or lonely. You know, if you're in, if your background is in business strategy, you know, that's a huge stakeholder organizational um, machine creating a strategy for business. It involves lots of people sat around tables. This job we do often involves one-to-one -one, or it involves planning for people's meetings. So tell me about the importance of this peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and peer-to-peer -peer sharing that you run and, and encourage yeah. people to, to join it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so, so super important. Um, it started off because I was running them for the mentors on the Help to Grow program because a lot of these people are new to mentoring. As I say, they're absolutely brilliant um, business people, but they maybe hadn't mentored before and didn't appreciate what mentoring was. And a lot of the time they were giving advice because that's what the mentees wanted. Um, but then I realised within that there was a subset, and again, of my peers, predominantly the people who are full members of the Association of Business Mentors, who are absolutely committed to developing as professional mentors and coaches. Um, and as we've kind of kind of alluded to, business mentoring is kind of a new thing. It's like a new profession that's coming through. And even as professional business mentors, we aren't always 100% sure what that means and looks mm. like. Yeah. So to get a group of those professional business mentors and coaches together, we get together once every few weeks and actually just share things like we've talked about. Well, I'm supposed to business mentoring, but I can find myself sliding into consultancy. How do I stop myself doing that? Um, I've got a particular client they might have. They just want to sort of not sh actually Peer-to-peer -peer is supervision at the end of the day. Yeah. And as professionals, we should be, we should have supervisors. Yeah. Because we, we people are, we're in a privileged position where people are opening up to us, potentially being vulnerable. And we don't always have all the answers. We may not always deal with it in the right way. So to have our own then safe space to air those things and keep developing as coaches and mentors and learning from each other and sharing those experiences is phenomenal. We need to keep, we need, we're developing this profession almost together at this stage. Yeah. And we're learning together. And it's just, it's a safe space 
to talk, to share. Often somebody's read a book and they'll go, oh my God, this was really great. So they'll all run off and we'll read the same book. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, develop, it's, it's continued professional development and it's supervision. And it's maintaining our, our credibility and our standards so we can go out there and be the absolute best business mentors we can Fantastic. be. What an amazing way to end this. Thank you so much. Your insight is incredible. Your professionalism is inspiring. And I know that you're, you know, you're very influential. You have a huge impact. Um, if you had a message to other mentors and coaches, uh, what would it be? What would, what would give us something to inspire us as we all trudge along this <laughs> lonely road of listening to people bleating into our ears? <laughs> Keep shouting about what you do. Get out there and shout about what you do. Let's let's make business mentoring um, the next big thing. 2024, the year of business mentoring. Shout about it. Fantastic. Brenda, thank you very much. If people want to get in touch with you, um, they can do that via the details on your website. I'll put your website up with this podcast episode. But thank you very much for joining us. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Well, what an incredible hour's discussion. You know, again, that clarity around coaching and mentoring uh, to help you decide whether coaching or mentoring is the right avenue for you. Um, I love listening to Brenda. She has such a gentle way of really insightfully giving you information. And that, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is a rare gift. She loves taking what she's learned and sharing with clients in an easy way uh, to understand and it, and she helps them take ownership um, she says uh, often the clients she works with just need a sounding board or someone to hold them accountable and she's more than happy to be there for them as long as they need her you'll get a trusted space to talk rent and share concerns and make decisions and I can uh, vouch for that friendly voice of guidance and uh, advice that that Brenda has so qualified to give us. So I hope that has helped you. I hope it's given you yet another opportunity to reflect and see if you need a coach or a mentor. Listen, we will see you again next week. We've got an amazing guest. If you're in leadership, be kind, be gentle. If you're in followership, be open-hearted, be open-minded and be graceful. Have some dignity about your decisions. Don't be a water cooler moaner. And until we meet again next week, I wish you a very great week indeed. Take care. Thank you very much for tuning into the Life I Lead podcast. I really hope that something resonated with you today. If there's one thing I want you to remember, it's that you are also capable of being an inspiring leader. So I invite you to be fully present and fully alive to situations that may call you to step up and lead. As I say to everyone on my coaching courses, tell yourself aloud every day, I am enough. I am influential. I am a leader. Join us again next week on Monday at 7 a.m. And between now and then, remember the words of Eisenhower. You don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault, not leadership.